I'm not coordinated enough to flip a coin. Oh, God. Welcome in Zaruk. Zudish here. Walking in film. Is it there? Walking like the podcast. In dem we're uns treffen and uber die film sprechen. De we're in de letzen sieben tagen geschen haben. That's right. <laughs> it's this week in and for those of you who don't speak fluent German, as I do, I said, this is Welcome to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where, well, you heard what I said in German. We talk about <laughs> movies we've seen. Matt, buongiorno. Uh, <laughs> Hello, Nick. You know I speak German, right? Nick? So do I. I could have translated that for you. <laughs> I did it. Uh, well, that's true. You d- you did uh, a very good job. Um I'm sure Google wasn't involved at all. And you Google Translate. Some of your pronunciation was uh, too spot on. Good enough that I knew it was German. <laughs> <laughs> we are celebrating because we got a, an email from a, a thing that said that we are the number 14 podcast for film reviews in Germany. So thanks, <laughs> Germany. We broke into the coveted top 14. We nearly cracked the top 10, apparently. And Nick might to need to email. go back and edit in himself speaking in English, so return listeners realize that they're still at the right podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and new listeners don't just assume it's a German podcast, although that might not be too much of a problem. I don't think anyone's going to have a problem with understanding the beginning of this show. Not at all. Hey, Matt, have you seen movies this week? Yes, but I would like to do, I'd like to go off script a little bit. There's been so much stuff going on. I will, I'm going to throw a little bit of Midwest Matt recommends at the beginning of the show. And Holy crap. Uh, it's like you're speaking German. Uh, d- Hello and welcome into <laughs> diesem Vulcan in, in film, in filming. Uh, anyway, anyway. The correct way is to use the word Zuruk. Zuruk. Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. Welcome in Zuruk to diesem Vulcan in... What is it? Just in film? Is that is film? My German's not my vocabulary. According to the Google, yeah. it's Woken in film. And mm-hmm. those Woken and film are capitalized. And I don't know what that means because they're not in the original this is English the or German. Podcast. Is podcast the same? Podcast is podcast. Okay. Uh, but it is also capitalized. But they pronounce it in German. Uh, anyway. McDonald. Did, didn't mean to get back on the German train. I actually w- wanted to uh, recommend folks who are interested in learning about how police officers can handle and be trained to handle interactions with the community in much less dangerous ways. You can check out Use of Force Project. And there's a set of standards that police stations can follow to reduce uh, the police violence with the community by, uh, I think, over 70%. So uh, it's a pretty specific set of things they can do that aren't too complicated, but they found actually work. Unlike things like cameras that don't actually seem to do anything. So, And you can donate there. You can learn stuff. And if you're anything like me, you care about what's going on, but you might have not known exactly where to start if you want to do something. So check that out and see what you think. Again, that's oh, right. useofforceproject.org. Okay, terrific. And you can find that quick link to that at thisweekinfilm.com under Midwest Matt Recommends. Yeah. And now back to the show. 
Movies. Past seven oh, days. I've seen some. Have you? No, I was just going to talk about the news. Oh. Well, I saw some no, movies. No, I have <laughs> I have seen movies. What did you see, Nick? I saw two movies. I saw Vixen, the movie from t- huh? 2000, uh-huh, 2017, <laughs> and I watched Ad Astra from oh. 2019. Hmm. I'm interested to hear what you got to say about that. Oh, I watched a couple movies. I'm suspecting you may not have liked it quite as much as I did. But I saw three movies this week. The first one is Open Water 3, Cage Jive. What? Yeah, there's a third one. Did it just come out? No. <laughs> no, it did not. Wow. I think it was uh, oh, it was 2017, but I'll come back to that. I'll come back to okay. that. Okay. I also What's watched Cage Dive? Yes. And in fact, when you try to look up Open Water 3... You'll end up seeing Cage Dive, but depending on what platform you're looking on, you might not even be able to see that it's actually an open water movie. Um, oh, that might explain, because when you talked about Open Water 2 recently, uh-huh. I was like, how did they only make two of these movies? Uh, well, there are three. And I also saw John Carpenter's The Thing, Ooh, and also a John Carp- Carpenter movie, They Live. Oh, wow. I've never seen They Live. I had never seen it myself. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, yeah. I've seen the fight, the fight scene from oh it. Oh my like, god! Clip, but I've never seen the whole thing. Well, we'll get, we'll come back to that. <laughs> we'll come back. Okay. To that. All right. Let's end. Well, well, let's see. I won this week, right? So let's let's end with the thing. Yeah, you start. Open water three cage jive off to an excellent start with a like twenty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> and as I looked at the cover, which was just a cave sinking in, or a cage rather, not a cave, a cage sinking into the water, I thought, is this just going to be forty seven meters down all over again? Well, wait, yeah, this is an open water movie. You're right. Yeah, it's open water three, Nick. But they're in a cage. That's not well, open water, right? Well, you know, just tell you what. I'm going to go Let's ahead hear and about take some Limber- the movie. Limberties? I'm going to take some Limberties, and uh, I'm going to tell you with spoilers, because, spoiler alert for the end of this review, I don't recommend watching it. Oh, no. Uh, I know. You're heartbroken, right? So, yeah, if you're interested in seeing Open Water 3 Cage Dive, uh, don't. But also, maybe don't listen (laughs) till later. I thought, is this going to be just 47 meters down? And the answer turned out to be no. This movie did not know what kind of movie it wanted to be. (laughs) So it was like, it was a found footage movie. But it was also a documentary. But it was also, I'm not sure, a, a regular narrative movie. Like a fake documentary? Well, yeah, I mean, it's not real, although it does give you a warning at the beginning, like, oh, the family of these people won't let us show this footage. We're sorry, it's going to contain really upsetting images of people dying. And it sort of does eventually. So this time, so swallowed by cages. (laughs) And I'm not sure throughout the whole movie, I was like, I don't really know why at all it's set up the way it is with like these three different ways it's trying to do stuff because it even starts out with someone finding the camera so like you're watching the footage and you're like oh footage wait a minute this person taking the footage is finding the camera that's gonna have the footage of the movie i didn't need to see the camera get discovered It's just some guy, like, pulling it out of a rock. The stuff that's, like, documentary stuff is just telling you what's going to happen ahead of time. And then, like, footage of people on land talking about how this boat got capsized and by a freak wave. Man, you hear the phrase freak wave so many times in this movie. It's like nobody else has ever called a wave anything else. Hey, Nick, a little test for you. 
What's if, up? If there was a huge wave headed your way, mm-hmm. what are two different ways you might refer to it if you needed to scream to somebody? Hey, watch out for that freak wave. Uh-huh. See, one could be freak wave. I saw that coming. That's why I give you two. Mm-hmm. What's the other or, one? Hey, watch out. There's a wave. Yep. <laughs> just like <laughs> big wave, huge wave, anything. It's just like freak waves all over this movie. But anyway, so, you know, you're in for hearing a lot of that if you watch this. And then there are newscasters warning people and then saying, oh, you know, there are people out looking for them. And throughout the movie, this all doesn't really make a ton of sense because there's not much of an impression that anyone's actually actually looking for them. And there's even a point, I think, where a helicopter or a boat goes by like early on and just doesn't even pay them any attention. I'm like, if there was all this news going on, wouldn't they look a bit longer? And I don't think there's any moment. How many people are lost? That's a good question because, okay, so what the boat is, is a shark dive boat. And with all the shark divers and the people that are on the boat, the whole thing flips and sinks. So there's probably there are three characters that this movie follows. They run into a couple people who fell off the boat. So maybe like five. And then there were probably another three or four people on the boat. There's one moment that's really gruesome where they, when the fir- the boat first crashes or sinks, they find a woman and her I guess husband or boyfriend or something. And half of his face is just hanging off. And it's like the side of his cheek and it's got like beard on it. So it's really, I don't know, it's disturbing. And that was probably the highlight of the movie. <laughs> um, so yeah. this movie does reintroduce sharks to the open water franchise? It does a bit. They're there because with the shark diving, you could see sharks on a shark dive. And I get the impression that these people went on a shark dive and they were like, hey, we're going to record the shark dive for our movie. And the people were like, yeah, sure, that's fine. <laughs> I see what you're saying. <laughs> and so you do see some sharks there and then things happen to I'm trying to think of who actually gets eaten. At least one person does. But this movie's kind of like open water meets the Blair Witch because you're just kind of like with these three people most of the time. And, and the people are I've got muscle guy, hot girl and nice guy slash douche. Uh, Tell me more about hot girl. Well, she looks kind of like a cross between Kate McKinnon and Amy Smart, and she's probably the better actor of the movie. Um, right. Yeah, I wouldn't say she's great, but she's all right. Muscle Guy is her boyfriend. Of course. He has a health issue. Something oh, with no. his heart. <gasps> uh, there's a lot of he needs to take his medicine. In fact, I think that might be what kills him. I'm not sure he even gets eaten by a shark. And then Nice Guy slash douchebag. Turns out he's a douchebag. Turns out also Ooh. that he's Muscle Guy's brother. <laughs> and I, I had a note early in the movie where I was like, are they brothers? Because I'm pretty sure they both called his mom, mom. But I also get the impression they're best friends. So it could be just joking around. You know, he calls her both mom. banging the mom. Not banging. And I'm not sure where you got that from, Nick, you weirdo. But I've anyway. Seen, I've seen a bunch of movies on the internet where that's the plot. <laughs> I've seen a bunch of seven minute clips on the internet where that was the plot. But anyway. That will come into play during my Vixen movie discussion. I uh, look forward to it. These <laughs> folks all go to California or sorry, from California to Australia. And there's a lot of, I'm not sure what this movie's rated. I should have checked. It might be, it might be R, but it feels very PG-13. And there are a lot of camera shots of butts. And then like the guy tries to film his girlfriend taking a shower, which seems inappropriate. And the muscle guy or the douchey guy, the muscle guy. But we'll, we'll get back to how 
the nice guy turns out to be a douche guy. So he record he's trying to record her, but the battery goes out right as she's getting ready to take off her clothes. And then later they kind of tease it again where they're like getting ready to hook up and he's like, I'm gonna tape it. And she's like, Turn off the camera. And so they turn off the camera there, and it's like this is kind of the maturity level of this movie. But then this movie is much more about these three people than it is sharks, which is one reason it's not good. They mm. are recording this in part, which I can appreciate. They gave him a reason to record everything, but they're recording this in part because they want to send this to some sort of reality show as like, here's us doing extreme stuff. Put us on your show. So at one point while he's recording, he's like, another reason that you should make us be your contestants on your show is because I'm going to propose to her. And to show you I'm serious, here's the ring. And he shows him a ring. And then he walks out of the room. Oh, sorry. The girlfriend walks into the room. He hides the ring, leaves the camera there. The brother walks into the room while the girlfriend's still there. And what happens next, Nick? While the camera's running. What do you think happens? He makes a move. Yeah. Well, he makes a move and she's like, you can't do anything. He's still here. He's right out. She's into it. Yeah, they already trail. Yeah, they have a thing going. Oh uh, no! But yeah. he's going to propose to her on this trip or in the future. In the on the show, <laughs> he's going to propose on the show later in the future once they get on it. But he, but showed, he already bought a ring and brought it on a shark boat. That's how he showed the people in the video that he is serious. Pretty silly of him to bring it all the way to Australia. I, I agree. He could have put that I in the that's, video that's, at any point that's in pretty time. Pretty foolish, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so about twenty-one in, minutes in the movie, I was like, "Will they ever get lost in the ocean?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure this movie was like an hour and twenty minutes. So anyway, eventually they're swimming around and whatnot. And so once that's introduced, you can see that like there's sort of some awkwardness, but it's not pronounced enough. And the girl seems very, the woman seems to have the same chemistry with both guys. And it seems a little strange because it's like, well, she's cheating on the one guy. And she was seemingly like really into sex the night before, before they put the camera off. So I'm like, they could have done a little bit more to make it seem like this relationship has a little bit of trouble, but they really didn't. Other than that muscle guy's just kind of annoying, but you know, he's not as bad as the other guy because he's not cheating on his, you know cheating on he's not cheating he's not the guy his girlfriend's cheating on there we go anyway throughout this movie the shark behavior is off (laughs) there are some clips of like real sharks but there's a lot of shark stuff where it's like too sudden where like a shark will just move in a way where i'm like sharks don't just spook people (laughs) like they don't try to do jump scares and stuff so there there are a few things that are a little weird there and then eventually this wave happens what kind of a wave it's a really large wave there's got to be a better way to Uh, i mean you know someday they'll come up with something but once they're finally lost in the water on one hand you're like finally but on the other hand not not much happens there either. At some point they do get a raft, but then they end up blowing it up. And it's very like Blair Witch in that way too. Cause they get, it's kind of like when they lose the map, they're just like fighting and stuff. And then instead of throwing it into the river, in this case, since they're in a raft, the guy, he's trying to get the flare out of the girl's hands. Cause she's kind of freaking out at one point. She's like, we got to send a flare up. We got to send a flare up. And he's like, no, don't. And then it's one of those rafts that has a cover to it. And so they're inside of it. Like it's a tent and she shoots the flare off inside the raft and with the hat on (laughs) or the cover on yeah with the cover on so they all shoots a flare off indoors yeah she she doesn't exactly do it on purpose they're just kind of like wrestling over it but of course it fires off then kind of like in what was that movie open water (laughs) 2 
where they were fighting over the knife and the guy accidentally stabs the other guy. Spoiler alert for open water too. But anyway, while they're like floating around and stuff, actually it's like right before they get the raft. So in open water two, the reason they're stuck in one place the whole time is because there's a boat that they can't quite get onto because they don't have the ladder. In this movie, the boat has sunk. They don't have anything or any reason to stay in one place. And yet there's a moment where muscle guys like, hey, look, a thing floating in the water. I'm going to go get it. And they're like, no, don't go get it. And he's like, no, it's right there. And we don't have anything here. And they're like, throughout the movie, they refer back to these rules that they give you at the beginning of the movie. Like, here's how to avoid sharks and, and getting eaten by a shark. Don't swim away from your group and all that sort of stuff. Don't be there at night. So, of course, there are night scenes. Anyway, in this moment, I think you're supposed to think, oh, wait, no, he's going to swim away from the, the group, the other two people. But when they keep saying, don't go, we have to stick together, it occurred to me. Nick, let's try this again. Okay. Let's say you and Jill and I are stranded in the ocean. Am I muscly guy or douchey guy? You know what? It's your wife, so you take take your pick. (laughs) Wait a minute. Yeah. I wasn't going for that. What I was going to say is, if we're all swimming in the water and there's no boat, we don't have Uh anything, Mm -hmm. and one of us wants to go get something, but we're supposed to stick together, Right. what solution would you come up with? Oh, boy. I guess I'd have one person swim to the bottom of the ocean to mark (laughs) on the ocean floor where we're supposed to be. That way, when we all, like, we'll all go together to go get the thing. We'll go attend to the manatee dressed as a mermaid and get the thing when we come back because we're floating in the ocean, which is moving. (laughs) Yeah. uh, We'll we'll know where we're supposed to be. Exactly. (laughs) 20, 20 yards to the left. Oh, yeah. And this thing's like really like 20 feet away. But yeah, that for whatever reason, they act like that, like we can't move. And I'm like, you don't have a boat. You can move all you want. If you want to get to that thing, just swim together. They don't You're going to die. They don't. Do think. they have life preservers on or are they just treading water? I think they have one life preserver that they're all trying to share. Yeah. So that's, I don't know. I, I guess that's almost it. So then they're back in the water because she blows up the raft. In the midst of that, they actually just saved somebody, right? So what he finds is the raft. So he does get it by himself and comes back and he's like, hey, look, a raft. And they're like, wow, yay. And then they get in and then they destroy it. But right before they end up exploding it, they also like see a woman floating in the water and they're like, oh, no, a woman. We got to save her. So they pull her on and they're like, who are you? And she's like, not really responsive. So then they blow it up. throughout this so now they're back in the water and throughout this whole movie you know like the audience now is known about this whole affair thing well hold on can we go back to the the lady that they rescue she said she's unresponsive is she unresponsive in the sense that she's not breathing or she's unresponsive in that she's been traumatized by the freak wave incident i don't quite remember (laughs) i think I think she's unresponsive, but they do manage to get her to like breathe or something. But then like two minutes later, they blow up the boat. Does she die? Oh, yeah. She's just gone. She's there for Uh all of like a minute. Uh, It's really unnecessary. And then they're in the ocean and they're like, well, this movie's got to be wrapping up soon. And you're like, I don't know how this affair thing is going to come out or if it's like, oh, maybe muscle guy will get eaten and then the two will be left over and they'll feel guilty or something like that. But the reveal just happens all of a sudden because the 
jerk guy uh, or the douchebag guy, he's like yelling at the girl and he's like, you're lying to yourself and you're lying to, I think one's name is Josh and one's name is Jeff, which is a bad idea when you got two guys who are brothers and both kind of douchey. But anyway, he's like, and you're lying to Jeff and you're lying to me and whatever. And she's like, it, it, it seems like the whole thing started with him yelling at her as though she's lying to herself, thinking that things are going to go a certain way. I don't think she was particularly optimistic, but in the midst of this rant, the guy who's dating her just really latches on to the fact that amidst this whole rant, he said that she's lying to him and it doesn't Mm -hmm. actually fit. Like if it was a normal conversation and someone was like, oh yeah, and you're lying to your boyfriend, he'd be like, what? But in the midst of this rant in the ocean and whatnot, it's kind of like, I don't think he'd really get that focused on that, especially given this conversation seems to be, she's just yelling at her for kind of being delusional at all. And the guy just hones in on it and he's like, wait, what did you mean she was lying to me? Huh? What did you mean by that? And they're like, oh, just just don't worry about it. I'm just yelling because I'm mad. And he's like, no, no. What did you mean? What did you mean by that? That seemed like that really meant something. And it just doesn't work. (laughs) So this whole thing that was like the most dramatic part of the movie just falls kind of flat. And then he just goes, wait, are you having an affair? (laughs) Like, it's just like in, in... five seconds instead of thinking like oh you know something i don't know there's some sort of problem there's some kind of issue i don't know about it's just boom you're having an affair with my brother (laughs) it's it just it's silly and then i think she she definitely gets eaten there like right after that and so they just kind of yell at each other and then i think man i see i can't even remember how the there are only three people really (laughs) i can't even remember how they die i think the second guy has a heart attack (laughs) not sure and then the last guy is just about to get caught by a helicopter and he and and a shark comes up out of nowhere and eats him and nobody's too where it eats the helicopter the helicopter no no the helicopter's still up in the air he's just like yay i'm about to get saved and it's like nope you're gonna Uh get eaten and you know it's coming because at the beginning of the movie they told you nobody survived oh okay so anyway i don't recommend it okay (laughs) well i feel like i lived it i don't think i need to see it i don't think you do either probably will (laughs) no you won't if you watch that before you watch us or anything else i recommend i'm gonna be really mad (laughs) oh god anything else for open water three cage die cage cage dive i don't know why they didn't call open water three (laughs) i don't know why they didn't call it open water three freak wave (laughs) no i'm good well that brings me to the first movie that i watched this week excellent a little film called vixen the movie from 2017 this is directed by kurt gita and james tucker it has a cast of people Notably, Stephen Amell and Grant Gustin and Emily Bett Rickards and Katie Cassidy. Now, Matt, I know you don't know who I'm talking about. I don't. But that's because you don't watch the Arrowverse on the WB. Oh, is this related to that? This is related to that. This is an animated movie that takes place in the DCWB Arrow TV show universe. Where you've got your Supergirl and your Flash and your Green Arrow and a bunch of other shitty DC characters that I don't care about. And, oh, Brandon Routh was the Atom. Hmm. We put this movie on because of the thumbnail that was next to it. It looked like someone had a sword coming out of their butt. 
And that's what it looked like. <laughs> Why would that make you want to watch a movie? Because it's animated. And I was like, what could this possibly be? We started it up and the DC logo was there. And I was like, what? Wait a second. What is this? And <laughs> what are we watching? What the hell is this? And it's a cartoon uh-huh. that is based on some DC comic character called Vixen. Her real name's Mari McCabe. And she's got a magic necklace. That lets her channel whatever animal is convenient to the plot. Like she gets the power of a rhino to charge through some guys or the agility of a monkey to bounce around some guys or the sneakiness of a spider to move around some guys. So she just gets a a random animal trait. I think she's able to pick it, but I'm not sure. I'm looking at the picture of the the cover art here. I do not see a sword coming out of anyone's butt. Yeah, it wasn't there. It was somewhere else. So it's got all of the actors from the Arrow universe. Uh The guy who plays Green Arrow, which is an awesome show that I only watched three seasons of and and just kind of got away from it. It's got the dude who plays the Flash and the Flash, which is a, I hear a very good show, but I've only seen the one episode of it. And then it's got like the cast of that Legends of Tomorrow show. And I'm like, wow. This is really kind of cool. And it's an hour and 15 minutes long and you get through her origin. It's interesting. She's it's it's a whole origin story. She's like an orphaned African girl who grew up in some random DC city and she gets this magic necklace and her sister wants to take it back cuz the magic necklace is powerful and she wants the power and her sister like leaves her to die after stealing it and she's like, "No, I'm strong." And takes it back. So that that's the story. And while this thing's wrapping up, I'm like, wow, this was the best DC movie I have ever seen. This was quick. It was exciting. And it's over. And it was 20 minutes in. And there was a whole other hour left. Because <laughs> this... <laughs> This movie is the compilation of a whole bunch of five minute cartoon shorts that were on like the WB or the DC Universe TV channel or something like streaming service. So they just animated like these five minute clips to just show off the character Vixen and they they sprinkle in these DC Universe characters. And I guess when it was done, they just combined all the footage into this movie. It basically works as three 20-minute or 25-minute narratives, like three episodes of a TV show, because when the first episode ends, it is crystal clear, which is why I was so excited that it was over. But then there was episodes two and then three, and they weren't bad. Episode one was the best. Episode two was the worst, and then episode three was just kind of whatever. But one thing, I wrote down some notes so that I didn't forget about them. Last week, I left out a whole bunch of information about the devil zone that I meant to say and never did. So now I feel like I need to start writing stuff down again because it's slipping out of my mind. I've still got stuff to say about Gretel and Hansel. (laughs) (laughs) Jill asked me to write down do her boobs get bigger every time she kicks someone? Because that happens. Every time she kicks somebody, her boobs get a little bigger. That is strange. I did have fun watching this. It was not terrible. We never did see the sword in someone's ass. That never actually happened. And one thing that was annoying is that whenever she changes her persona into an animal, uh-huh. her shadow her shadow changes into that animal. And we just wanted to know, like, do other people see the shadow? Or is that just for us? Like, is it like because like she turns into a spider and you see like a giant spider shadow and i'm like well that's terrifying <laughs> like who wants it or like a giant rhinoceros is climbing on the wall <laughs> like the, 
that's this is a horror film but is that just for me or is, does everybody see that and also she doesn't wear a mask which is really annoying because every other character in this movie that's a superhero wears a mask and she doesn't and she's got like a whole private life and that's pretty annoying that she never puts on a mask like that's one of the themes of like the first two seasons of arrow is that he doesn't have a mask and whoever he's working with on arrow is like you need a mask dude somebody's gonna figure out who you are and he's like i can't they all look stupid which is funny because they probably tried to put a mask on him and it looked bad uh-huh. and then like by the end of season two or three they figure out the mask and it looks kick-ass they just didn't put one on her but they don't address it another thing that happens in this movie is she's got a dad who's played by the janitor from scrubs and he's like this non-entity but for some reason he just shows up in the third part of the movie and she's in the middle of fighting this supervillain with the rest of the not so justice league and he just shows up and he's like hi i'm here and she goes why are you here this is very dangerous you have to leave and he goes no i could never abandon you i think your fiery buddy wants to get your attention he's got it murray dad i need you to get any place that's not here this is your dad hey nice to meet you dad you need to run find a shelter stay away from this how did he find us maybe because we're wearing costumes I can't fight him if I know you're vulnerable. I can't leave my daughter in danger. Dad, go! Murray, please! And she goes, okay, well, why are you here? And he goes, I just couldn't let you be alone. And like one of the other Justice League people comes over and she goes, yeah, I went and got your dad for you. And, and she's like, why? And he's like, I'll be over here if you need me. And he just leaves the movie. It's not a comic bit like it doesn't or a comedic bit. It's not played for laughs or anything like that. It's just like this storyline that I think just got forgotten. Uh-huh. And and he just like walks off the screen and, and is gone forever. <laughs> it just ends. It's, it's, I was like, what was that? I would say if you have an hour 15 to kill, check this movie out. If you want to see a really fun comic book animated movie it's basically three episodes of a so-so tv show not not super bad not super terrible uh if the show was still on i would probably watch it that's pretty good all right and you said that was from what year 2017 hmm I was going to say, maybe it's one of those Quibi things, but I guess that's too old for Quibi. I think you're on the right track with what they were trying to go for. Mm. Like just something you turn on and turn off. Well, I've been hearing about how like with Quibi, they're like, we're going to show these shows in just little bits at a time. And you're going to come back on a regular basis to watch these tiny little bits on your phone. And then they're like, yeah, we'll release them as like full movies on YouTube once, (laughs) like once nobody's watched them for a year. That's part of the, the contracts is like these people who who are hired to direct these movies can actually release them as real movies later mm, so know that. quibi probably pointless um <laughs> they really pick the worst time to ever debut no kidding a tv service that's supposed to be for a short bus ride that you watch on your phone when no one's allowed on the bus right well, everyone's at home uh, kind of just absorbing all the other streaming platforms with real yeah. stuff on them. Right. So is that it for that one? I believe so. All right. I will, I guess, go on to They Live. All right. So They Live from 1990, uh, sorry, 1988 stars Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith David. Rowdy Roddy Piper comes to Cleveland trying to find work. If you want to know what the character's name is, too bad, because I don't remember. 
So he comes there for work and he meets Keith David, who is, uh, he came from Detroit to do like manual labor, working on a construction site. And Roddy Piper starts to kind of pick up on that, like there's weird stuff going on around. Like there's this church across the street and he's like, something seems kind of strange about this church. And there's this kind of radio signal going out into televisions. And I'm not going to spoil a bunch of stuff here. I'm just kind of giving you the lowdown on the plot. And he's like, well, what's going on here? And it's like, there's this message saying that people are trying to control people and whatnot. And eventually he ends up discovering these glasses. He finds these glasses and realizes that they allow him to see stuff that's going on in reality that nobody else can see. So he starts like reading signs that say completely different subliminal messages than what other people see. And basically it's like, oh, I can see American capitalism and classism and like this superficiality. And I won't get into what's making all that happen. But he figures out that stuff's going very funky. And throughout the rest of the movie, he's trying to more or less trying to convince Keith David that this is going on and then try to kind of stop it from happening. He kind of dives right in. Once he gets these glasses, you're familiar with the famous line from this movie, right? We sleep so they live or something like that. The, the thing about the chewing gum. Oh, kick ass and chew bubble gum. Yeah. So that line where he's like, I came here to chew bubble gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. You would think mm-hmm. that's going to happen near like the beginning of the third act, right? Yeah. It just has that sort of line like, now I'm a badass. That's like a fourth of the way into the movie. Uh-huh. So it's a pretty quick movie. So he just kind of jumps right in and he's like, all right, I got to stop this from happening one way or another. And it's very 80s. Like there's no figuring it out really. It's just sort of like all kind of comes to him pretty easily. But as far as stuff that's good about this movie, the idea is really fun. It's a John Carpenter movie. It's, and it's one of the better ones. So it's got like kind of some tongue in cheek cleverness to it. And this kind of just unique. Uh, it's creative. It, it's cool. The reveal of everything's pretty fun. Roddy Piper wasn't a great actor, but he had a certain sort of charm to him. And this movie's good for, you know, like when Keanu Reeves is in a movie that's just made for him. And you're like, yeah, this mm-hmm. is Keanu Reeves movie, The Matrix, John Wick. It's not quite to that level of synergy, but it's got a good feel. You're like, yeah, this, this is an interesting pick. I'm surprised John Carpenter picked him out, but uh, this actually works. And there's some goofy lines that are pretty fun. And right now, with everything that's going on, social unrest and everything, it's like, oh, well, like, I guess the issues we have now are pretty much the same as they were then. That's discouraging, but it makes the movie kind of interesting. I wasn't expecting that when I watched the movie. I wasn't like, oh, this is going to have good political commentary. And it's not particularly deep, but it is good. It is enjoyable. And then as far as like bad stuff goes, the acting's not great. There's sort of a love interest in the movie and her delivery is just very flat the whole time. Like she could be, well, at one point she is yelling at him, but she's just not yelling at him. It's like, get the hell out of my house, man. or i'll kill you it's just very like drugged (laughs) kind of Mm. like oh she had some lewds or something before this like a sedated performance very sedated and then as you mentioned earlier there is a fight scene in this movie that is way unnecessary the the movie's a short movie so when you watch this fight scene you're like oh they were just padding the red time run time yeah and, and getting the most out of like Roddy Piper's ability to wrestle. Cause there are fight moves in this where you're like, that's like a 
I don't even know what a DDT is, but I'm pretty sure I saw one. You know, like, I'm like, these are wrestling moves. These aren't just fighting. And it just goes on forever. Like, Karina and I had a full conversation about the fight in the middle of the fight, got done mm-hmm. with our conversation, and then went, oh, God, it's it's still going. It's still happening. <laughs> and I'm not exactly at all. Yeah, go ahead. The whole point of that fight is because Rowdy Roddy Piper is trying to punch the sunglasses onto Keith David's face because Keith David refuses to look at look through them. Well, he's not trying to punch him on his face, but he is punching him to try to get him to hold still so he can put them on. But he's it's not like he's holding them and he's just like, I'm going to punch these onto your face and make them stick. Other than that, the worst thing about this movie, and it's worse than the fight scene, is this theme there's a like a this theme song or theme music that just oh it's like four notes over and over it's kind of like a jazz thing it's got a little bit of a feel of like a old twin peaks kind of music but worse any john carpenter theme ever no no i i I get what you're saying because that's how that is usual in john carpenter movies but it's it's just so maybe because it's so pronounced or maybe because it just happens so much and it sticks around for so long but like even when it was done i'd just be like do 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 (laughs) like i just i couldn't stop it (laughs) It was terrible. But all in all, I was a little hesitant about this movie. It's one I'd heard of before and just never really felt like I was in the movie mood, mood to watch. And I was like, well, you know, we just watched this scarier movie with The Thing. You know, maybe if Karina's in the mood to watch something else, we'll watch something a little more lighthearted. And it's like, how about this? It might be kind of like a zombie movie or something. And she was like, yeah, sure, why not? It was a fun ride. I would recommend it. It's, it's not the best movie in the world, but I think most people will have a good time. If you like 80s action at all, you'll enjoy it. If you like stuff that's just kind of off the beaten path and kind of kooky, then it's a real good ride. Nick, I think you're going to love it. So yeah. it's just one of those, like, I feel like I've seen this entire movie, just not all at once. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those TBS movies where you just always catch a different part of it. Okay. I never wanted to watch it on TV because I knew it was edited for content. And then I just never got around to watching it. Well, speaking uh, of it being edited for TV, I will spoil one thing. And that that's it. The movie ends with boobs. Like the last, the very last scene's got boobs in it. There are no other boobs in the movie. And I just thought, that's so strange because usually like an 80s action movie will start out with boobs to kind of like be like, yeah, stick with this movie. Here you go. Here's some boobs. There might <laughs> this be was, more later. This is like, so you think you made it all the way through the movie without boobs, did you? Well, guess what? Here you go. And there are the credits. <laughs> That's like the beginning of Lethal Weapon where you got that naked girl who kills herself and you're like, oh, hot. Oh, she just, oh, I'm, what? What are these emotions I'm feeling now? Yeah, I think I remember being something like 11 or 12 when that came on the free two days of Cinemax or whatever, you know, back in the day when that sort of thing happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as a kid being like oh wow okay so this whatever this movie is i'm i'm gonna watch this and then she jumps off the thing and i'm like oh man that took a turn yeah that first lethal weapon is a weird movie it's great i, I love i love all the lethal weapon movies but that first one is so weird there's a lot of suicide in that movie oh uh, yeah i thought i i kind of remember the first one being pretty good i know the second one was like uh, it was like the temple of doom kind of where it's like the middle one has this weird monotone flavor but it's also so kind of extra dark and then the third one's uh, kind of zany the second one is uh, the second one's the one with the dude from iceland right or uh, south I, africa the south african dude i don't remember 
I think yeah, I've only second, seen all of them once each. Yeah, the first one is the kick fight on Christmas with Gary Busey. And the second one is the South African diplomatic immunity. And then the third one is the cop killers one about like armor piercing bullets. Right. And then the fourth one is Chris Rock and Jet Li about Chinese immigration. Does and that's how I got introduced to Jet Li was through that movie. So Chris Rock and Jet Li, does it still have Danny Glover and Mel Gibson in it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're Riggs and Murtaugh, but like they add on top of Joe Pesci and Rene Russo, they add Chris Rock, who's just doing his act, and Jet Li, who has no lines, I don't think, but kills a bunch of people in a kick-ass way. Oh, okay. He's the bad so, guy. Got it. Yeah. It's a terrible movie, but I love it. <laughs> All right. All right. Anything else for They Live? No, that's it. Oh, I did want to mention one thing about that. There's an episode of South Park where they do a shot-for-shot recreation of the fight between Roddy Piper and Keith David, uh, between Jimmy and Timmy, and it's great. Excellent South Park. So it's like half the episode. It is. And it's like out of nowhere too, where it's because that scene has no music over top of it. And then this fight sequence between the two of them, it shows up out of nowhere and they're just fighting and doing like a shot for shot remake of this fight. And it's like the the episode isn't about they live or anything. It's just about these two characters and they just redo this whole fight out of nowhere. Fantastic. So look up that episode, Matt. Yeah. Moving on to the next movie I saw. Yes. A film that you were quite fond of. And still am. Ad Astra. Yep. From 2019. This movie was directed by James Gray and it stars Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones. Donald Sutherland is also in it for some reason. And, and we're gonna I got a lot it. of questions. Yeah, we are going to spoil it. But before we do that, yeah. I'm going to give my lukewarm recommendation for it where I'm just kind of like, eh, I didn't hate it. <laughs> And I'll, I'll chip in that I love this movie, but I do not. <laughs> My recommendation with it would be kind of lukewarm, too. I'm going to flip a coin as to, to say, you might like it, you might not. There's a 50-50 chance, I guess. So anyway. Oh, I thought you were flipping a coin. I'm, did it end I'm not coordinated enough to flip a coin. <laughs> <laughs> Ad Astra tells the story of Brad Pitt, who's an astronaut in the not-too-distant future, and he works for the Space Force, or Spacecom as they call it, which is a way better name than Space Force, and... He gets a call from his boss saying, hey, you know how your dad's dead? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, we think he's not dead. And he's like, oh, well, that's a surprise. You can't tell by looking at me, but I'm surprised. <laughs> right. Because my job in this movie is to express no emotion about anything. So... I am fine with this information. And they're like, we can see that you're fine. And that means that you're good to go on this mission to go to the outer planet of Neptune and not Uranus, which is what I thought the movie was taking place on the whole time. The whole time this movie's going on, I thought it was taking place that his destination was Uranus, which was always very funny because Uranus, but it's Neptune. And that explains why my wife was so annoyed with me for making so many Uranus jokes. <laughs> And I didn't put it together till after the movie was over. And I was reading the IMDb stuff for it. I'm like, was he going to Neptune? And she's like, yeah. And I went, oh, why did I think he was going to Uranus? And I think her response was because you're a jackass. <laughs> Score one, Jill. 
Yeah, something along those lines. It was it was good. <laughs> I very much like certain parts of this movie. Mm-hmm. I really love the depiction of how they imagined commercial space travel to be. Uh-huh. I thought that was wonderful. I like all of the the little things. This movie tries very hard to be a modern day 2001 space odyssey, and it comes up way short, but I can totally see what they were going for. And a lot of it works for me, but the stuff that doesn't work really doesn't work, and everything starts to fall apart in the second half of the movie. Right around the time that he hijacks the spaceship is when I was like, what is happening? now why is this all happening so matt yeah why did you like this movie so much well even as you're describing it and you're going there are things that made me feel this way or that way i'm like my mind's just going like space monkeys (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and and then like you know literally wrote down space monkeys stowing away on a rocket you know there's I, i i pretty early on had i don't know what gave me the feeling of it maybe it was the way that brad pitt is is playing that guy so detached where i was like this isn't in my mind this isn't meant to be reality this is meant to be a kind of fantastical movie so as things did get ridiculous each one i was like okay that's just something that's a bit of fantasy this is a pretty serious movie but it's happening without the constraints of reality and being realistic so throughout that i was very comfortable letting a lot go kind of like you would be with like something like life aquatic with steve suzu where you're like okay so the underwater creatures are all glowing and this is just strange and this was just like a serious version of that where it's like this is very strange so throughout the movie i'm like what's i'm kind of sticking with the atmosphere and the themes more and for me like like i said when i reviewed it a couple months back like it was kind of like a lot of it may have been projecting you know for me where i was like putting a lot of my own stuff into brad pitt Mm -hmm. and then when at the end he's confronting tommy lee jones like i'm already there with the theme where it's like he is lost And, and he's very much lost in this like okay I have this stuff I'm supposed to do. I have this reason for being here. And I don't think of his dad much as like, like a lot of people say this is a movie about fathers and sons. And I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Yeah. I'm like, no, I think the father is very much just a representation of kind of what this path he could go down and that he's already on. And then when he has to confront it, he has to go through this kind of jarring, painful experience of going like, man, I don't want to just be my goals. I want to connect with people and particularly in in the movie that, you know, it's his wife played by Liv Tyler, right? Yeah. I thought in terms of those themes, if you were to start there rather than starting with a movie about space, Mm-hmm. that's how it worked for me where I'm like, there's this movie about these themes. I'm finding out what they are as they go. And it happens to be taking place on this backdrop of space exploration, which I can appreciate because if he's got these super lofty goals, that's a, a really exaggerated way to have him pursuing them. And his father's pursued it to the point that he's detached, not just from the people in his life, but from the whole world and just completely isolated. 
And so, so it worked for me in this way. And then space monkeys and stuff like that were just sort of these weird bonuses that I actually kind of enjoyed when they happened. I mean, when they showed up, I totally was like, well, baboons can't breathe in space. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) But then it was also a point where I was like, oh, all right, this movie doesn't have to play by any rules. Okay, cool. What am I in for? So for me, I'd compare this to something like Hereditary, where I'm like, this it's it's like this elevated, more abstract thing that's less about the plot and more about the themes. And the plot's just kind of grist for the mill to help those things come out. Hmm, that's interesting. The last thought. I like that. I feel the exact opposite mm-hmm. of what you said about how the movie is fantastical and unrealistic Uh i thought it was unbelievably realistic okay like down to the space down to like the little like well i mean it's a lab in space like you know you're gonna have you gotta have space monkeys (laughs) (laughs) if you're gonna have a lab up there you're gonna have space monkeys but why were the monkeys what did the monkeys do with all the people (laughs) where are all the people on the spaceship where's the mess from the monkeys eating all these people like those are the things that like really started to to add up in my head where i was Uh like this is all very realistic like i get they're on their way to mars or wherever they're going and they get this distress call and they have to answer it and brad pitt's like we got to keep going and the captain's like i'm gonna answer the distress call and brad pitt's like yeah i guess you should and i'm like okay well the movie's taking a side turn here because we have to like the regulations say, if this happens while we're on our mission, we have to go do it. And you're like, okay. And then you have this weird float through a space station that's empty except for these haunted space monkeys. And somehow the monkeys are strong enough to tear through the face mask of a space helmet and bite your nose off, which was gnarly. And there's a cool moment where Brad Pitt shoots one of the monkeys with his space gun and the recoil shoots him to the back of the ship. And I was like, that's a really cool touch right uh-huh, there. Yeah. I like that a lot. And and like that whole monkey scene is, is fine. It just doesn't add anything to the movie other than killing the one character in the movie who had any kind of emotion. And I'm like, did they do that on purpose to show how dangerous having emotions is in this world? Because no one has any emotion about anything until Brad Pitt starts freaking out because they won't tell him his dad called. But like you're saying like Brad Pitt has these lofty goals and I'm trying to figure out what they are. Like I feel like when the the, the day is over, he just sits in a chair until he falls asleep and then he wakes up the next day going, time to enter work mode again. Let's begin. And he goes up to his his computer psychiatrist. By the way, you're going to be out of a job in the future because they're going to have a robot doing your job. Already and- a thing. <laughs> But like he just goes up to this computer robot and just says all the things he's supposed to say. And it just takes his biometric readings and it says, you have passed. I don't actually care about anything you said. Go do your weird space antenna job now. <laughs> your nondescript job out there and uh, try not to fall. And so he just does. But like every day is the same for him where he just goes to work, comes home, talks to the computer for a minute. And then I, I don't know I, anything I, I about his character. I won't disagree that you don't know what the goals are. And I won't even suggest, I won't even say that I'm confident that he knows what they are, but I think he has this sense that he's there for something. And I think in the, at the end of the movie, he's, it's more like the meaning of life. Like he has this idea that there's some sort of meaning 
and he's waiting to find it. And his dad has gotten totally absorbed in his work. And, and Brad Pitt's character is sort of like, I think he's looking for it in his work, but he, it's not as though he chose this mission or anything like that. So I could, I, I see what you're saying and I don't mm-hmm. exactly disagree, but I think that's kind of where his mind is before the very end of the movie where it just kind of comes together for him that he's like, oh, actually my relationship is what's most important. That's what life is about. It's about people. <sighs> see, I don't get that. Like the, the whole end sequence, that little monologue where he actually is smiling and he's like i love Liv tyler and i'm so happy to be back on earth and blah 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 i was like this feels so forced i i hate this like <laughs> this is not doing it for me and and then they have like this reuniting scene with him meeting his wife at a cafe or something but i don't know i it just did not work for me the way it did and the whole time it wasn't working for me i was watching it like why did matt love this so much what did he see that i'm not seeing there must be something here i told you man this this movie was made for an audience of one and it was me <laughs> and some other people happened to enjoy it <laughs> like a, another scene that was really cool but utterly pointless was the moon pirates uh-huh. where where it's just like it just kind of establishes this world where hey this exists mankind has colonized the moon but we're still mankind we still fight over pieces of dirt and the moon is no different goodbye see you later i heard about the production with this movie that it was pretty much done and then they were like some i I don't know producer or whatever saw it and was like this needs some action in it and so they like went back and did some additional shoots and i'm pretty sure that it's just like this movie originally didn't have space monkeys or a lunar rover race and then they were like okay action it is Space monkeys, lunar overrated. You know what? Yeah. That makes that conversation that Brad Pitt has with the captain make way more sense. Where they have that argument about, I don't want to, we're not supposed to go on a distress call. We're just supposed to go to Mars. And the captain's like, we have to do this because the people who are paying us say we do. Yeah. It's just like an allegory for real life. Like yeah. The, well, we have to do this because the producer said so. Right. <laughs> We'll force it in. And then you're watching these things race, and you're like, oh, space piracy is kind of interesting. Yeah, I want to know more about the moon pirates. Moving on from that, yeah. one thing that doesn't make any sense as far as, the sto- as far as the story goes is it only takes 90 days to get to Neptune and in this future period. Like right now, it takes us, it took us like 18 years to get to Pluto which I know is much further away than Neptune. I didn't actually look up to see what the distance time is on our current technology to get to Neptune, but I imagine it's 10 years to get to Neptune. Like if we were going to leave today, did you pack? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, If we would leave today, it would probably take 10 years to get to Neptune. That's why the mission that Tommy Lee Jones goes on is such a big deal because it was the the biggest manned mission outside of the asteroid belt kind of a thing. Oh, and, and we kind of left out the whole, like, whatever he's doing out there seems to be causing some sort of solar flare s- storms yeah, in the universe, like, too. He's exploding matter in the antimatter containment field, and Jordy LaForge down in engineering is like, Captain, we have to stop this before it's too late. And Captain Picard says, Warp 10 brad pitt and brad pitt gets on his spaceship and goes and space jokes good times so if it only takes 90 days to get to neptune that is how long it takes for us to get to mars now 
with our current technology when when Earth and Mars are their closest. Like when they launch things to Mars, it takes 90 days to get there. And all I can think is this is the future. Like they've been doing like they have a whole colony on Mars, which means they've been going to Mars for years and years and years, which means they know how to do these long range expeditions and a rescue mission to Neptune to rescue Tommy Lee Jones shouldn't be this big of a deal to do it. Mm-hmm. And I just don't understand what the movie is trying to say. Like, it took me forever to figure out why Brad Pitt had to go to the far side of Mars to send this message to his dad. And I figured it out. It's because there's no one else past Mars. Mars is like the last colony out in space or wherever he was is as far as humans are. And they didn't want anyone to intercept the message, which would somehow, for, for whatever reason, cause panic on Earth. That Tommy Lee Jones, who's like, he's even more famous than Neil Armstrong in the future. He's the he's the most famous, most popular, most wonderful astronaut ever. And NASA declared him dead and he's not dead. He's just been on this mission and he's gone cuckoo crazy bananas out there. And I don't know. I don't understand the need for all the secrecy. I don't as, understand. As a mental health <laughs> practitioner, I'm going to have to jump in there and say, he's not doing well. That's what I said. Cuckoo yeah. crazy yeah, bananas. Okay. All right. All right. It's in the DSM-3. All right. At least she used an outdated model. (laughs) So I didn't enjoy that. Everything that happens on the space station, like when Brad Pitt gets out there, just feels like a waste of time. Like he goes in and he gets his dad and he has this confrontation with his dad. And they also keep alluding to Tommy Lee Jones's temper and his, there's like a bunch of flashbacks to when Brad Pitt is a kid. And it implies this, I don't know, like this, this, it implies subtly that there's some sort of child abuse. I I think what they're suggesting and what Tommy Lee Jones sort of puts words to at the end is he never knew how to like connect with people and basically just resented his family. Like they were an interruption to him in his life's work. And so he treated them like shit. And I think, yeah, it's supposed to get physical. I think there is a scene, right? Where he's like shouting or throwing something. Yeah. There's something real quick where he like yells Roy and then he disappears around a dark corner and you're just kind of like, what, what are they trying to say with this? And then they get to the spaceship or to the space station and Neptune and Brad Pitt is talking about how he's really nervous about confronting his dad. Mm-hmm. And then when he's there, he's like, Dad, it's time to go home. We we gotta go. You're you killed everyone. <laughs> You're under arrest. <laughs> like I'm the but, space cop here to arrest you. We have to leave, but I still love you. You're still my dad. Like I, I have no choice in the matter but to love you. Don't don't you think at least in in that scene though? Uh, yeah, Brad Pitt's extremely subdued throughout the whole movie, and then in that scene when he's like looking up the tunnel thing to his dad mm-hmm. he's not saying much there's like no not a lot of expression in his voice but don't you feel like there's a lot coming through his face like through his eyes oh yeah i mean his father came back from the dead which is it's like a gift and a curse for brad pitt where i feel like he the character forces out that i still love you because he never got a chance to say goodbye to his dad kind of a thing and, and now he has that opportunity so he's like i'm gonna do it because i dreamt about doing it for 20 years even though i don't really like my dad um, and i feel like you can see that all on his eyes even though he's not doing anything very pronounced with his face like he's not crying or anything it's just i feel like it all shows really well yeah i I agree i think brad pitt was wonderful in this movie 
I think Tommy Lee Jones is fine. He doesn't do anything. He just, I think they shot all of Tommy Lee Jones's stuff in one day and he's just leaning against the same bulkhead the entire time wearing the same shirt for 30 years. Liv Tyler, I don't even know why she's in this movie. She's got nothing to do. I don't even think she has a line. She's just there to look like Liv Tyler. Also, Liv Tyler has aged. So that happens. That happens to people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought she looked good, but uh, yeah, she doesn't have many lines. Uh, there's just enough to tell you that she's like lonely. Like she, she wants her husband to connect with her. Yeah. But I feel like how long, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand their relationship at all because Brad Pitt seems like the kind of guy who has been this character the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like one day he just decides to turn off his emotions and she's like, Oh, I don't care for this where I'm like, this seems like who he's been his entire career. He's in the space force where you're not allowed to smile. Well, isn't, like, isn't that the case though, that sometimes people get together and then the stuff that they liked about someone originally is stuff that they're disappointed with or annoyed by later. Maybe, but they don't show any of that in the flashbacks. No. They show show all these flashbacks of him interacting with her in happier times, and it's just stoic face Brad Pitt. Yeah. Just just looking forward. Some people find that attractive. Apparently Liv Tyler did, or whatever her name is in the movie. Wife. (laughs) Her name is also Roy. (laughs) It was his name, Roy? Yeah. Uh, Oh, the guy who directed this movie, James Gray, uh is the same guy who directed that Lost City of Z movie I watched a few months back that had Charlie Hunnam in it, and they're exploring the jungle. Oh, right. And uh, this movie felt, I I didn't realize it was the same director till after I watched it. But once once the movie was over, I was like, yep, that's the same feeling I had watching this movie, where I was just kind of like, hmm... Just kind of boring, which makes me think you should watch that movie. Maybe because that that movie is also about fathers. <laughs> <laughs> does it does it does it feel like a character sketch? Because that's how I feel about this movie. I feel like it's more than anything. It's a it's a real character sketch of Brad Pitt's character. I would say yes, in the sense that you consider this movie to be a character sketch. Okay, because the Lost City of Z is basically the same movie, but in the. S- 1800s or 1700s hmm. and instead of going to mars he's going to south america i'm gonna and, go with uh, this I mean, director is is struggling with some attachment stuff <laughs> i mean they're both not bad movies but both of them left the same kind of i wanted more from you hmm. so i'll check out the lost city of zed then and see what i think this is america sir i'm pretty sure you talked you called it the lost city of zed when you were talking about it the first time i'm pretty I sure i think so that's the only place i've heard the title <laughs> i don't know i don't remember maybe they say zed in the movie and i was quoting a character perhaps i'll give i'll give you that perhaps yeah well could be maybe i'm making it up i don't know (laughs) i mean that sounds like you're making an anti-fascist statement and the president's arbiters of truth are going to be all over you for that our president doesn't give a fuck about truth his arbiters of truth do and they will decide what is true Uh, we should just talk about movies now (laughs) i'm just gonna get pissed off (laughs) i think that's all i have on ad astra cool well then john carpenter's the thing yay and this movie is from 1982 or 1985 it was a little unclear the copy i saw was re john carpenter john edit that out john carpenter's the thing (laughs) the john carpenter you're gonna love the open to this past week's episode Uh, (laughs) great 
John Carpenter's The Thing remastered 1985. So I don't know exactly what was touched up in the remastered. But anyway, the plot was the same for what I could remember. Now, Nick, mm. when did you and I watch The Thing? Oh, I don't know. Long 2000, time ago. maybe 2004. Probably like 2004. Because I remember thinking like, I can't believe I'm 23 and I'm finally seeing this movie. Um, so that'd be about around then. Nick and I watched this once together. Neither of us had seen it before. And we had both worked at Blockbuster, so we'd been, been like putting it on shelves and everything. We're very familiar with the idea that it's a classical movie or classic movie, but neither of us had seen it. I don't think either of us knew really anything about it at the time. Not really, no. Okay, so spoiler alerts on this one, too. When you and I saw it the first time... And it got to the point where the dog's head suddenly splits into three pieces and a monster uh-huh. face comes out of it. Uh-huh. I remember both of us being like, what the fuck? Yeah, I think you were going to throw up. Oh, man, it was disturbing. It was awesome. Yeah, no, it, it is awesome. Um, <laughs> and and I remember, I thought I remembered this movie pretty well since you and I saw it back then. Mm-hmm. But in truth, I realized as we we're watching, I'm like, I actually only remember, remember two things. And they were special effects scenes in the movie. And it was that the dog's head splits into a bunch of pieces and has another head in it. And the, when the guy reaches, he tries to defrib another guy. And his arms get bitten off and then a head grows out of it and wiggly tentacles are shooting all over the place and stuff. Other than that, I didn't remember this movie at all. (laughs) The plot of this movie, and it stars Kurt Russell uh, and Keith David and Wilford Brimley and a handful of other people. Kurt Russell's really the main character. Uh, So he and a team of guys are on an Antarctic research station. Also the dog from The Journey of Natty Gant. Oh, right. Yeah. Who would, how could I forget? Which he's, he plays a wolf in that movie, right? Yeah. It's a multi-talented dog. So talented. Yeah. And this, he's just a dog. So actually that's kind of how the movie starts. Sorry. Kurt Russell and his team of dudes are on an Antarctic research station. They're hanging out at their station, but before anything starts, there's like a real quick clip. It's kind of like Predator and everybody forgets that Predator starts out with an alien ship dropping something on the planet. Right. Well, that's how this starts out too. An alien ship goes by the planet and you see this dog dog running through the snow getting shot at by a helicopter and then it all kind of crashes in front of or lands in front of um the station the guys that get off the helicopter are trying to shoot the dog and then they end up shooting one of the guys by accident so then they get shot and one of them drops a bomb a grenade of some sort blows up the helicopter and so these people all have this dog and they're just like what the heck was this about why were we getting attacked by these norwegian dudes soon after the dog turns into a monster and they realize it can sort of take the shape of things and mimic things and throughout the rest of the movie it's a little bit like covid because everyone's like who's got this Who's got the thing? When we watched this back in 2000, whatever, it was great. It was great again. I love this movie. There's so much. Is this this the second time you've seen it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's just a well-told story. I mean, it's simple and there are definitely like holes here and there, but it's kind of like Jaws where it's just like, yeah, that's just what it needs to be. Well, it's not as perfect as Jaws because it doesn't have all the fine tuning, but in terms of just being a straightforward, here's a thing, it's disturbing. You're getting to see the characters interact a lot. It's really good. The effects are amazing. Like this is all practical effects and yeah, you can tell they're fake, but at the same time, they're more effective than a lot of CGI stuff and they just really work well. They're, they're more gut wrenching than anything I've seen on CGI where you're just like, Oh, it's making me uncomfortable and it's got 
tentacles and everything's wet and gross. Yeah, everything looks is wet and gross. It has this wet weight to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. The acting isn't all perfect, but it's but it's good. And in terms of like the interactions with each other, sometimes things kind of go from zero to 60 real quickly. Like some people are supposed to have tempers and the settings adding, you know, to their tension. But but even if it feels a little a little too quick here and there, it's still really good. The character chemistry works. The idea is really great. So it's just a it's a good premise and it's executed really well. Like you kind of feel like, or I felt like I was kind of really able to put myself there and going like, Ooh man, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be handling this this way. I'd make sure nobody's leaving each other, but I'd also be really nervous and I'd be like trying to keep my distance from people at the same time. So on one hand, it's like you want everyone to stay together so no one can leave and do anything suspicious. But at the same time, you wouldn't want to be around the other people because you just want to get away from them. Right. I just agree. Like, because you know, you're not sick. So you're the only one you're sure about Uh and everyone else is a suspect. Yeah. And, and like even Wilford Brimley, I've talked about that move, this movie on this show before, and it was in the early days and I did, we did a video or I did, I'll take full credit for it because it was hard work. (laughs) I did a video (laughs) edition for it where I had to like cut clips together and all that stuff from it. So you could go find our YouTube channel and, and look that up there. But the Wilford Brimley stuff is just so great in this movie because I've seen this movie a dozen times now. And every time I think maybe Wilford Brimley is, it doesn't have it. It's, it's just like when Apollo Creed is fighting Ivan Drago and you're like, maybe he'll make it this time. (laughs) But like, there's a, there's the clip that I have from the thing where Wilford Brimley is like locked up in that shed outside and Kurt Russell's just checking up on him and he goes, I'm fine. I just lost my head a little bit. I'm totally fine. I'm, I'm and not he's gonna hurt anyone. Yeah, and Kurt Russell's like, "Yeah, you're you're gonna stay in here where I know where you are." And then what happens? Doesn't he like hang himself or something? Or he has a noose hanging by him, which is interesting. It's just this like perfectly assembled noose. Uh, but then it turns out he's actually just building an entire spaceship underneath the uh, floorboards. That's one of the parts of the movie that doesn't quite work for me. Where they get out there, like, I mean, it's been what a night Mm -hmm. and they get out there and they're like wait where did he go and then they realize that there's like loose floor planks and they pull them up and then they're like there are these tunnels that he's dug in the ice and then there's a room where he has an entire spaceship he's building apparently from parts of the helicopter and that part's a little far-fetched doesn't the noose hanging by his head when kurt russell's checking on him and he's saying the i'm fine everything's fine yep. he's got this suicide noose next to his head kurt russell's like ah you'll we'll check on you later you're yeah. still alive yeah they just leave him in there with it but it's such a great movie it doesn't waste your time no it the doesn't have any great. there are a couple of pointless parts but they're, they're just kind of the to give characters something to do yeah they still end up kind of giving atmosphere they give things kind of a real feel yeah yeah they give everything a lived in feel to it where it's the 80s so everyone smokes but like this place looks like people have been living in it for 10 years where everything just looks used and everyone just looks bored out of their minds and it's just so perfectly done i just love it kurt russell's got that ridiculous hat that hat man what the heck (laughs) 
<laughs> he must have demanded to wear that hat. It doesn't look like it provides any kind of warmth. Well, like, what yeah, is the it doesn't point look like hat? it has anything at all to do with living in the in the tundra or whatever. He's just like, I'm going to wear this hat. And John Carpenter's like, fine, it, I'm not going to fight this fight. Yeah, listeners, this thing almost looks like a cowboy hat, but it more looks like a novelty cowboy hat. <laughs> Like, yeah. it's really goofy. And yeah, sure, maybe it might cut down on some of the sun, but he's all, they also all have sunglasses. There's one guy who's wearing them inside the whole time. I think but that's because yeah. he's high all the time. Could be. The guy who wears sunglasses is just covering up his eyes all yeah. the time because there's a lot of alcohol and drugs up there. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of alcohol use. There were actually a few times where I'm like, oh, I wonder if there's supposed to be some sort of like alcoholism allegory or like hidden theme or meaning or something. But I didn't figure out what it was. I was too busy just enjoying this movie. The climax gets a bit, a little bit janky because like Keith David's still in this one building, but then when they go back to find him, he's not there. And so it's like, mm-hmm. oh, does he have this creature in him? And then Kurt Russell is fighting with the creature and then they're both kind of off camera. And then they both show up and you're like, huh, I, in this confusion, yeah, it's felt a little clunky. It's been a little unusually, because I think the rest of the movie, you're just with people the whole time. But in this mm-hmm. moment, you're like, uh, I've been unusually pulled out of the action. And so it, it, it feels a little strange, but, but I think the purpose of it and the reason it, it, it still works for what they're going for is at the end when these two guys are there you're really invested in kurt russell because he's been the main character the whole time but you can't trust that he doesn't have the thing in him right and then the two guys are there just kind of looking at each other so like huh the looks on their faces are whoever falls asleep first is gonna die right i'm gonna kill you because i don't trust that you don't have the thing and either one of them could have it yeah or they both have it or uh sorry or neither one of them has has it and they're just gonna die in the cold which right. is the yeah, that, that's, mean, that's the optimal that's the implication version. yeah yeah the optimal version they're basically like well we tried to kill this thing by burning it because it can live in the ice forever right so hopefully neither of us has the thing in us guess right. we're gonna die here in the cold staring at each other yeah what a way to go and uh and a good way to to end a film like that so this is kind of dark uncomfortable note yeah and it, it's it's got this finality to it too where you're just like well they're dead uh-huh whether or not they had the thing or not they're dead yeah if, if anything's gonna too. live it's the thing right and exactly. it's gonna get out of there and kill the rest of the world right because somebody's gonna come to check on this expedition and they're gonna find either they're gonna find these two dead dudes or they're gonna they're gonna find the two dead dudes and go hey what's this thing <laughs> Yeah. And it's going to start again. And the movie has, this is, I guess, a little bit of a drawback, but whatever. It was the 80s. The best way ever to explain to you what's going to happen when this thing gets loose. And it's Wilford Brimley at a computer that's just such an 80s computer where you just ask it a question and it gives you a whole answer (laughs) where you're like, hey, (laughs) I'm going to show some cells moving around. Computer, tell me what's going on. And it's just like, cell has overcome other cell. Monster has replicated. Monster will replicate entire world in 72,000 hours. Anyway, but that's how they let you know where the stakes are. And I'm pretty sure that at the end you're like ah so the world is gonna die mm, cool movie it is it's great and it, the special effects are really what are really what make the whole thing and they're just 
phenomenal. The remake that they did a few years back, I didn't see it, but I think Wait, guess. Charlie saw it, or was it you that saw it? I, I have not remember. seen it. I'm going to watch it. Okay. But, but before before we say anything more, you just said just came out a couple years ago, right? Guess what year it came out? It's a 2014? 2011. What? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking it came out like two years ago. No way. Yeah. Holy crap. Wow. And apparently it's not a remake, either according to Charlie or Ray on the uh, the old episode of the podcast that you're listening to right now. Charlie, I'm going to give Charlie the credit. He says that the new one is just a prequel that takes place from the point of view of those Norwegian guys. Oh, okay. Okay. And it leads into the events of the 80s movie. But yeah. I never watched it and he said it's not very good. Yeah, I don't think it got very good reviews. It's got Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Joel Edgerton. Wait, I thought Joel Edgerton was the kid from The Gentleman, or not The Gentleman, uh, Kingsman. This isn't that kid. What's that guy's name? It's like Taron something, isn't it? I don't know. And then this has some other people in it. (laughs) But anyway... Joel Edgerton and Mary Elizabeth Winstead are the first two people. But I did read it. I read an article about the making of the remake. Okay. And they went real CGI heavy with the special effects. I think it's it's supposed to actually be a mix. It was supposed to be all practical effects. And the director said in the interview that the practical effects just weren't working and it was becoming too expensive Mm. to keep doing it. So they just made a deal to just half and half it okay and it just didn't work like some of them look pretty good but others look just ridiculous Hmm. but i can appreciate that they tried so that's good to know but i didn't watch the movie so i don't know what that means (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna have to watch it out of curiosity well let me know when you watch it because i'll watch it Okay. Hey, there we go. We could have a uh, a deep dive on something sometime soon. Sure. Anything else on the thing? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, you know what time it is. It's time for Five on Five. Hit that theme. Five on Five. There, it's, it's got a theme song now. I thought I did. <laughs> thought that was the whole theme i don't know no it was i don't know what you're just doing playing. with this is there it music going to be happening there is okay <laughs> in last week's episode there's a drum and a guitar last week's <laughs> the one that literally came out a minute ago because this is now tuesday very early tuesday morning oh. um but to the world at large it's actually june 9th oh. and they have already heard last week's number one hit five on five i look forward to hearing that Five on five. There, it's, it's got a theme song now. When you listen to it, just imagine how much time went into that and then double it okay. because I didn't know how to use your garage band. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you go. This, this next week's episode will have a whole new instrument. So that's exciting. Awesome. Matt, what do I think you're going to give the thing? Let's see. Or I guess we should start with open water. Okay. Let's see. What do I think you'll give Open Water 3, Cage Diver? On a scale of one to five, Nick says I will give it a one and a one. A one. Oh, okay. So let's see. Story, plot, theme. I don't know. There was a love triangle, so it was something I didn't expect. I guess that gets it a one. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's not much else it's got to offer. The acting wasn't nearly as bad as I expected, but it wasn't great either. So I'm going to give the acting a 2.5. Pacing wasn't as bad as the second one with the pacing, but it's still... 
I was definitely like bored here and there. So I'm going to go with a two. Aesthetics, there wasn't really much to offer. So I, uh, the sharks, I mean, there were real sharks for the shark, the cage diving part of it. That looked cool because I like sharks. But in terms of like cinematography or anything, it didn't really have anything to offer. I'd say 1.5. Enjoyment. Hmm. On a scale of one to five, or I guess 0.5 to five. Can we give things a zero? No, you have to give it give it some, something. Some credit. <laughs> I, have to, yeah. I have to acknowledge that it was there for me to watch. I'll I'll give it a one and a half. Okay. I've definitely seen worse. Well, that brings your score for Open Water 3 to be a 1.7. Nah, it's fine. It's a little high. <laughs> Oh yeah, you know what? It's, Sorry to interrupt, interrupt five on five, but I did have something I wanted to say uh, about Gretel and Hansel. So before we get to yours, after I do my movies, let me throw that in there. Okay. So don't let me forget because that happens a lot. There are a lot of times where I'm like, oh, I want to talk about this thing, but that's later, and then I just forget about it. Next up is you discussed They Live, and right. I think you're going to give this movie a three huh okay let's see story plot themes i like the premise a lot it's not like a complex tightly hung together thing but as far as a simple story goes it's pretty fun i'm gonna give it a three and a half and a lot of that's for just creativity acting hmm that's tough because the acting's fitting but some of it's pretty bad i'm gonna give the acting a two and a half pacing i think uh this is a good pace i'm gonna give it a four on pacing uh wait a minute hang on hang on now i gotta knock off a little bit more for that fight scene because that's that's like eight (laughs) minutes of the pace so let's knock that down to a three and a half aesthetics hmm that's interesting. I guess the real standout stuff is the stuff you can see when they have their the glasses on. Uh, I'll give the aesthetics a two and a half, and I'll give the enjoyment a three and a half. Yeah, it was fun. And that brings your score for They Live to be a 3.1. Okay. Next up, you discussed The Thing. Yeah. 1980-something. I think you're going to give this movie a four. That feels about right. Story and everything... Yeah, I'm going to go with a four there. And then acting. Acting, I'm going to go with three and a half. I think there were a few things that could have been a little bit better. And the character stuff might have been more in the writing than the acting. Pacing is excellent. Uh, I'm going to give it a four. Yeah, four. Aesthetics. Oh, man. I guess in this movie, really, the aesthetics are the special effects. And those are just top notch. I'm going to give that a four and a half. And enjoyment, I am going to give a four four and a half i really really like this movie all right that brings your score for the thing to be a 4.1 all right wow that's easily in the top 10 for you all right here's what i wanted to say about gretel and hansel i was thinking more about some of the themes that seem to be in there and i think we really need to hear from like a female listener or someone who knows more about like gender stuff sexism but here's here's what i was thinking gretel and hansel's a little bit like parasite but instead of kind of pointing out how the rich are feeding off of the poor it's pointing out how men feed off of women and like their work and their toil and so like with hans always being all about food and whatnot and gretel being kind of responsible for it and him not being able to fend for himself he's like going he's real happy about all the food there at the witch's house and he's eating everything without 
you know, abandoned. And then once he starts to lose his power and the power of the woman in it, in Gretel, starts to rise, he's like, I want out of here. And then she wants to stay. So I think there's like this sort of power dynamic there of him having the power, but really just being a mooch, not not really being independently powerful. So anyway, that's it. That's it. I just was thinking about that theme a lot. And I felt like there were a couple things that when I was watching it, I was like, I'm only feel like I'm halfway picking up on some of the themes, but that felt pretty true. And now that I say it out loud, I don't feel like I'm saying that much that I didn't say in the other review, but it feels like more. <laughs> it feels like I understand it a little bit better. It certainly is more. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Your turn. What do you think I'm going to give Vixen the movie? Uh, I don't know, man, because I felt like you told me two very different things there. On one hand, you were like, this is a bunch of hodgepodgey, chopped together stuff after the first 20 minutes. And then you're like, this is pretty good. You should check it out. It's got a couple stories in it. So I'm going to say overall, you're going to give it a three. Plot? Plot isn't bad. And for 25 episodes of a TV show all stitched together into one kind of narrative, it works. So I'm going to give it a three. And it's an interesting concept. The acting is okay. Some of the TV actors do not have voice acting chops. They, the, like, Especially the, the dude who's given the Green Arrows line, it kind of felt like he was just kind of mailing it in. But he also has that kind of delivery on the show, too, where he's very serious. So it's difficult to say. So I'm just going to give it a straight up... I'll give it the benefit of a doubt and give it a three. No, I made that mistake last week with The Devil's Own. I'm going to give it a two and a half, and I'm going to give the correct points into the category that deserves it, which is enjoyment. <laughs> this is about integrity. Last week, I gave The Devil's Own extra points because of a, a terrible-looking squib. That shouldn't have gone into <laughs> aesthetic. Rude. That should have gone into enjoyment. How foolish and embarrassing for me. Pacing, it's three episodes of a TV show, so it doesn't really work, so I'm going to give it a two. But if you consider it an anthology, then it does. So, two. We'll go with two. Aesthetic, it looks good. It looks great. It's definitely one of the best DC animated movies I've seen, so I'm going to give it a three and a half. And enjoyment, my wife and I had a lot of fun watching it. We did make fun of it a lot, so that added to it. So I'm going to give it a three and a half for enjoyment, because we kind of had a blast watching it. And its score comes out to be a 2.9. Now, what do you think I'm going to give Ad Astra? Oh, man. I think you're going to give Ad Astra a... 2.5. All right. So plot, I mean, it's there. There is a plot. (laughs) A bunch of other stuff happens around the plot. Hey, we have seen movies that don't have plot, so they do. That's very true. Sort of thing. Uh, So I'm going to give it a two and a half for the plot. The acting, I'm going to give a four. I thought Brad Pitt for having to do nothing does so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And everyone that's around him does a great job. It just felt very real. Everything about it just felt real. Pacing, I'm going to give it a two. It does drag at points, and a lot of the times I don't understand why stuff is happening now, and we already discussed that. Aesthetic, the movie looks phenomenal. It's gorgeous to look at. I'm going to give it a four and a half for aesthetics. And then for overall enjoyment of the movie, I think I'm going to have to go with a two and a half i'll give it i'll give it the extra bump because it does it is a thinker it does make you think a lot and i always appreciate that even like like even hansel and gretel which isn't a great movie but i think about it a lot and i like that my score for ad astra comes out to be a 3.1 
one. Hmm. Well, that doesn't seem right that it's just barely better than Vixen, the movie, but this is the world we live in. If you would like to see our movie ranking lists, head on over to thisweekinfilm.com. There you'll see a very convenient link to our letterboxed page, which keeps everything together for us. Also on our website, thisweekinfilm.com, you'll find a section called Midwest Matt Recommends, and we already did that section, didn't we? We did. What did you recommend at the very beginning of the show? Sorry. Not murdering people in the street? <laughs> yeah. Use of force project. Org. Uh, and there's also an app that I wanted to mention because I, I'm not sure if I mentioned it before, but I found it really helpful. It's called Just Watch, and it's an app on which you can search a movie or a television show, and it'll let you know what streaming platforms it's on. Well, Matt, I guess that's the end of the show. Anything uh, else this week? Nope, that's it for me. Well, I guess that's the, the end of the real. Do you want to, to say that again? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Wait, what did you say last week? Um, Finn? Finn, but you sang the Deep Blue Sea song. I can't remember how it goes. Oh, it's deepest, bluest. My head is like a shark's fin. (laughs) I don't know how to work it in. Well, Matt, in keeping with your open water sharks movie, here's the new closing to the show. Deepest, bluest, my head... If that's the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. Uh, Judge movies, not people. Take care of each other. Yeah. 